I want to tell you this morning that I have a heart condition that I want to report to you about. I've had it for quite some time. It isn't a constant condition, but when it flares up, it can make my life quite uncomfortable. And by the way, I am not the only one with this heart condition. In fact, every single person in this room and everyone that's with us online suffers from the same heart condition. Let's look to God's word this morning and see what that condition is and what God has to say regarding it. In the 42nd Psalm, in the fifth verse, the Bible says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then in the book of 1 Kings, in the 19th chapter, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. I'm going to take you to three different biblical accounts this morning. The first one was from the Psalms. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head, he saw it was some bread baked on hot coals and a jar of water. And so he ate and drank, and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And so he got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. And now I'm going to go to the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. I'm going to begin reading in verse uh, 13. This is after the death of Christ. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? 
They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Clopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there these last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But the leading priests and other religious leaders, I know I'm going, you guys don't have that, but I feel they'll just keep reading, so just follow me. But all the leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And then he goes on and he talks about how they talk to Jesus about how now on top of that, three days later, some of the, the women, Mary specifically, uh, experienced meeting Jesus and told them about it. But they had a difficult time believing that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Three different biblical accounts. The first one where the psalmist now, if you read the entire psalm, you will discover that the psalmist was in the middle of some ordeal. We're not told what exactly it was, but he was going through something in his life. And then on top of that, whatever that ordeal was, he came to a sense where, where he could not discern the very presence of God. He came to a place where because of this circumstance that he was dealing with, he felt that God had forgotten him. And because of that feeling that God had forgotten him, it created this atmosphere in his heart that led him to be discouraged. The prophet Elijah had done incredible miracles calling down fire from heaven and the people repented, but Jezebel who was an ungodly woman who was married to the king, she threatens Elijah and tells him that he, she's going to kill him. The people now don't respond or don't support him. At least this is how Elijah felt. So Elijah decides, I'm getting out of Dodge. And he leaves and runs for his life. He gets to the point where he leaves his servant, Gehazi, and now he's there by himself, and he is so discouraged that he comes to the point where he tells God, I've had enough, and I want to die. And of course, we have read that God takes care of him and gets him to come, uh, feeds him and gets him to, to journey to the mountain of God. But when he gets to the mountain of God, he goes and finds a cave, and he goes hiding in the cave. The disciples thought that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that he was the one that was going to bring about reformation and change in the nation of Israel. They believed that he was the one that was going to free them from Rome's oppression and set their, the kingdom of Israel free from Rome's grip. Only to discover that now Jesus was falsely accused by the religious leaders, brought to the Roman uh, 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 governor, 
He was put on trial, a mock trial, as it were, found guilty, and crucified. And now they are totally disappointed with this outcome to the measure that they thought they were going to see something incredible, something phenomenal happen in their nation. And now they're disappointed. The Bible recalls that it was written all over their face, the sadness that they were dealing with, the discouragement. You see, the heart condition that... I suffer from from time to time. The condition that we all can suffer from from time to time is called discouragement. By definition, to, the word discourage means to deprive of hope, to dishearten or depress. Discouragement is this heart condition that we all, from time to time, suffer from. The thing is, it could flare up in a moment's notice. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. It doesn't matter how deep your relationship with God goes. It doesn't matter what position you hold in the church. In fact, historically, as you, we just read, uh, Elijah was, was discouraged. The disciples who walked every single day with Jesus for approximately three years, they got discouraged. The psalmist, inspired by the Spirit of God, discouraged. And historically, there was a man named uh, Charles Spurgeon, who at, that, at his time was considered the greatest preacher on the face of the earth in England. He had the biggest church in the world at that time. And yet, as powerful as his ministry was, he suffered from discouragement. In fact, he said this, listen, discouragement creeps over my heart and makes me go with heaviness to my work. He confesses that there were times that even though there was a glorious Sunday meeting, he could not get out of bed on Monday. He was so discouraged. Most of us remember Dr. Billy Graham, who um, is considered by far the greatest evangelist the church has ever known. And yet, Dr. Graham said this, the Christian life is not a constant high. He said, I have moments of deep discouragements, deep discouragement. I look back in my own life, and I can tell you there are moments where I've also had deep discouragements. My wife and I have been married 43 years, and as most of you know, we were never able to have biological children of our own. We have some adopted spiritual daughters. That's why you see I have gray hairs. (laughs) Girls will do that to you. I said, oh, you just wait. (laughs) But there were moments and times where privately I would be discouraged. There were times where I would see 
either a movie or something where a dad is holding his little baby girl. And in my heart, discouragement will flare up saying, that will never be you. That will never be you. You'll never hear a little girl call you daddy. I'm talking about serious discouragement. As you know, I have suffered from a, a back ailment for over 35 years. Have numerous operations. I've had more injections in my back than I care to re remember. And with all of the seasons as a pastor and praying for sick people, there were times where I would be by myself and wonder, is this how my life is going to continue? Why has God not heard my cry? Discouragement. I've known discouragement because I have felt like an absolute failure as a Christian. Have you ever gotten to that place where you realize there's a part of your life that no matter how much you cry out, no matter how much you try, you just can't get victory in that area in your life. And in the right moment, you feel so discouraged as a Christian that like Elijah, you want to throw in the towel and say, why continue this charade? Discouragement. I've known discouragement as a pastor. Being here for 18 years, I thank God for the day that God opened the door to bring my wife to this precious church and to all of you. But I would be lying to you if I told you that in the last 18 years, it was all a constant high. Because it was not and has not been. There's seasons where I've made terrible decisions. Decisions that resulted in failure. And I have battled wondering whether I was ever called to ministry or not. I'm talking about discouragement. When God opened the door for me to serve as a presbyter, to help oversee other churches in, in this area, this section of Chicago, I tried my best to get out of that thing because I knew in my heart, I, I don't have what it takes to do this thing. And yet over and over again, God affirmed that that's what he wanted me to do, that he would help me. But I'm, I'm, I'm standing before you today to tell you I have felt over and over again like a total failure as a presbyter. Things that no one wants to discuss. You see, no one wants to tell people that they're discouraged. We all want to put on this face that we are doing well, praise God. And yet the shroud of darkness can cover our soul, our heart. All of us, regardless of who you are, regardless of whether you hold a position in church or not, we all, from time to time, suffer from this condition called 
discouragement. And the seed that germinates, that grows into discouragement is called disappointment. And every single one of us knows what it's like to be disappointed in life. Come on, am I talking just to myself this morning? We've all experienced disappointment. Where someone has said something or not said something, where something has happened or not happened that's resulted in us being disappointed. And when disappointment is allowed to linger in our hearts, when we we struggle getting past that, forgetting it, letting it go, when that thing just takes up resonance in our heart and saying, I'm not leaving. I paid the rent for this month. I'm, I'm saying right there. That's what produces discouragement. And the evidence that there's discouragement in our heart is this loss of hope. You no longer expect something good to happen when it comes to that situation, that circumstance. You, you no longer expect God to move. You no longer expect a turnaround. You no longer believe that that thing is going to work out for the good, even though the Bible promises us. There's a loss of courage, meaning fear grips into the heart. As all of a sudden, this thing looms up and you start being afraid of how this is going to unfold and what it's going to produce. I think one of the biggest fears that most of us face is the fear of people finding out we're not doing so well. Have you ever known a pastor to tell you? He's not doing well. Have you ever heard a deacon or an elder confess, hey, guys, pray for me. I'm, I'm just battling some discouragement. You see, the, the ones that are the biggest culprits of this is leadership. Because we have this false idea that because we are leaders, the people can't see that we're human. And then what winds up happening, that becomes a disconnect. Because then people feel, I can't share what I'm going through because they can't relate. They never struggle the way we struggle. They don't understand what we're going through. So there's this fear of being discovered. There's this overwhelming sadness that can come as if we are grieving a loss. Now, Having said all of that, I do want to now segue, if I could, having established the fact that we all can identify with discouragement. Let me see your hand. If you can identify with what I'm talking about this morning, I know what it is to be discouraged, Pastor. I know what it is to be in that place where I feel like I know that I'm supposed to be reading my Bible every day. I know I'm supposed to pray, and, and yet there are seasons where I don't do that. And then that what's amplified on top of that, I get so discouraged about what kind of Christian am I? We've all been there, talking about discouragement. Now, because discouragement comes in so many different flavors, if you will, there, there's no one way 
to get victory over that. There's no one way to overcome discouragement. It can come in different forms, and therefore the deliverance comes in different forms. Let's take the first one. Listen, the first one that you find there uh, is the psalmist. Because the psalmist said, why are you so discouraged? This, he's talking to his own soul. So listen, the first uh, thing about a possibility on, on overcoming discouragement is sometimes, like the sons of Korah who penned that psalm, you have to talk to yourself. You just need to talk to yourself. You just need to look at yourself. And, and the, the question that the psalmist poses, talk to yourself. Why am I discouraged? Identify, in other words, what is it that's got me feeling the way I'm feeling? And then, when you have identified that, as the psalmist did, you can then begin to compare that as he did by saying, okay, I know what it is that's got me depressed, but now I'm going to compare that to God, and compared to God, it will pale in its power, in its emphasis. And so the son of Korah is telling him, why are you downcast? Oh, my son. Put your hope in God. Praise God. Remember what God has done for you. There are times that we can uh, uh, lift up the cloud of, the, uh, of discouragement simply by remembering the past of God's blessings. The times that God has come through. The times that God has provided the miracles that God has released into your life. Another form, the psalm is really a psalm. The psalmist encouraged himself to sing. Now, I know that there are times where discouragement is so deep that you don't feel like singing. I get that. But there are times where it is not as deep as it might seem and there's that place where you have to just begin to sing. I've come into worship sometimes, and I'm discouraged right here in this room. But by the grace of God, I've realized if I want that cloud to lift, I've got to break through. Got, I, I don't feel like, I know the, the devil is right there to whisper, uh, you are a hypocrite, you don't feel what, like singing, so why sing? But there's that point where you can push through. And you got to talk to yourself and say, you know what? God is good. God has been faithful to me. God has kept me. He's provided for me. I know this thing is going down, but somehow, some way, God is going to come through. And so I'm just going to begin to sing. I'm just going to begin to praise him. Yeah. See, sometimes you just need to talk to yourself. And then there are times where, like the disciples, sometimes you need a fresh word and revelation of Jesus. The disciples, they were so sad. It was written all over their face. They meet Jesus, and Jesus begins to disclose from the scriptures why the Son of Man had to suffer and die, and that he would be raised on the third day. 
And then they get to a home and they invite Jesus to come in for dinner. And as they sit down for dinner, Jesus blesses the food. And the moment he blesses the food, the Bible says their eyes were opened and they realized it's Jesus. And then the Lord disappears. But in that moment of revelation, now they're talking to each other afterwards that weren't our hearts burning when he was talking to us from the scriptures? Listen to me. The beginning stages of the lifting of discouragement is the word of God. Where, where whether it's at home, whether it's in church service or some Bible study, where the word of God is coming and there's something that's happening. You may not be able to identify it, but you know that you know God is speaking to my heart right now. And then there's that revelation where suddenly, not these physical eyes, but the eyes of our hearts are open. And we see Jesus in a totally new light. That moment, the sadness was lifted from the faces of the disciples. And they got it so excited, they went back into Jerusalem to tell all the other disciples, we've seen the Lord. He is alive. You see, all because they had a revelation and a word from Jesus had lifted that cloud of depression. And now, let's talk about our friend Elijah, the prophet, this great man of God that is depressed, that he wants to die. God sees him, and God sends an angel to him. And the Bible calls it the angel of the Lord. Whenever you see in the Old Testament an appearance of an angel and he's called the angel of the Lord, it means this is a physical manifestation of Christ himself. Jesus personally comes to Elijah. The way he came to the disciples on the road, he comes to Elijah. I want to tell you wherever you are at, God knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. And what I love about Jesus, he doesn't tell us to come to him, although the Bible does encourage us, but in those moments, he knows we have been crippled by discouragement. He said, I got to go to him. I got to go to Carlos because he needs me. And he shows up in a place you never expect him to show up. And he gives you exactly what you need in that moment. Amen. And the Lord gave Elijah some food. He said, come on, get up. You got to eat. He knew what would it take to sustain Elijah. And the first go around, Elijah ate, but he went back to sleep again. Listen, there are times where and this may sound so ungodly, but it's, it, it, we've got to be straight and, and true to ourselves. We've got to be transparent. There are times where the, the word of God comes in the first time around. You receive it, but it don't do much to you at all. The cloud still isn't lifted. But then Jesus comes a second time. It's come on. You got to eat because this is a big journey. 
And Elijah eats, and this time he doesn't go back to sleep. In fact, he travels 40 days and 40 nights on that one meal. How'd you like to have that one meal? And then you think, okay, it's all over. But if you go on and read those chapters, you would find that Elijah is there, but he's in the cave, and God comes to him, and God asks him a question. Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And Elijah, oh, God, you don't understand, man. I, Jezebel is trying to kill me, and, 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 and no one is left to help me. I'm the only one left. Did you ever feel that way? When you're in that place of deep discouragement, you think you're the only one. You think that there's no one around that could help you, that you're totally isolated, and you're by yourself. I'm the only one, God. I just don't know what to do anymore, God. And the first thing God tells him, first of all, I've got 7,000 people that haven't bowed down to Jezebel or any other God. In other words, God said, you're not alone. You're not alone. It's not how you think. And isn't that part of the power of discouragement? We get to think something in our mind. This is the way it is when God is saying, no, that's not the way it is. That's how you perceive it. But I'm here to tell you the final outcome is not going to be that. And I thank God for that. And then you would think that would be enough. But then God tells him, I've got work for you to do, Elijah. You see, you may think in the moment of discouragement, when God comes and begins to minister, he always brings you to that place of, okay, now let's get to work. It's why we talked a little earlier, Pastor Joe talked about getting connected and, and, and serving in some capacity or not. Because idleness feeds discouragement. And you say, oh, I don't feel like doing it. That's when you know you got to. And God went to his man and said, hey, we've got work to do. So now that you've strengthened, now that you have renewed, now let's get busy. In other words, sometimes like Elijah, it's a progression of events that God does in our life to bring us to that place where there's provision, there's an experience of his presence, and then there's a commission that God gives us to say, the work is not over. Blessed be his wonderful name. If I can get just the worship team just to come back and play something quietly for me. I'm talking about this heart condition this morning that we all, from time to time, suffer from. Because life can bring disappointment. Life can bring such a disappointment that it leads us to a place that we're totally discouraged. Even yesterday, I got to tell you, in full honesty before you, I had to battle discouragement in yesterday's meeting because we had planned this meeting to encourage all the workers 
to renew them and strengthen them, to thank them for their service. And quite honestly, the, the, the turnout was quite poor. And in that moment, yesterday, I was being overwhelmed by disappointment. What do we got to do, God? We're trying. See, in, in the last 18 months, I don't know of one pastor that isn't battling discouragement. Because of this pandemic, we've seen people trying to do things. And it seems as if we're trying to get our life back to where it was, except in the area of church and serving God. Most people are back to working. Most people are back to their normal schedule and the things that they like to do. But it seems as if the very last thing that there hasn't been that breakthrough back through normalcy, whatever we want to call that, is church. Where people who are gathering, doing all these wonderful things that they like to do, and then you encourage them and say, hey, how about coming back to God's house and getting to God's presence? Well, you know, I watch it online. And I thank God for social media. I thank God that we can broadcast our service to help people. Don't get me wrong. But I also know that it's become a crutch for many. It's become a place of complacency for many where we realize I'm, I'm more safe in church than I am in the supermarket. I have no problem going to the supermarket. I have no problem taking public transportation to work. I have no problem being in work. But somehow, I've got a problem being in church. And you know what? For all those, those other things, we feel we have to do those things. But somehow, we've bought into that place where well, we don't have to be there physically. And although, again, we, we enjoy the fact that we can broadcast, being watching it online can't be compared to the experience of God's presence in church. It just can't be. And so as a pastor, I've talked to many of our pastors. I was talking to our guest yesterday, Pastor Rick, who has a great church there in, down in Urbana. He told me, Pastor, it's the same with us. I talk to people and you know, where are you? What are you doing? Every pastor is struggling, trying to figure out, Lord, what do we do to encourage and to motivate the people to get back into serving you and being in your house and your presence? And so we get disappointed. I'm trying to stay off of social media. And here's why. Because some of you, they see on social media, doing all kind of great things are the very ones that say, well, I'm not ready to come back to church. You know, it's not safe. Okay, so you're the one that, were you the one in that concert that had 100,000 people in it? And I see you doing this, holy peace pictures. And I saw that you didn't even have a mask on. Whoa. But you see, I have, as a pastor, I got to be careful because I can get, like Moses got, got angry at the people. Remember when Moses got angry at the people? And, 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 and God then got angry at Moses and said, because you got angry at the people, you're not going to enter the promised land. 
There's something about God. He doesn't know. He can get angry at us, but he doesn't allow anybody else to get angry at us. I can yell at my children. You can't. So I have to guard my heart and say, God, I can get angry really quickly or, or I can get discouraged. And I say, God, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm lacking. I don't know what to say. I'm not saying the right thing. What is it? And I'm, I'm being so transparent this morning because I want you to know I'm not preaching at you. I'm right there with you this morning. Telling you that there are seasons where we are disappointed and, and that thing could lead to discouragement. But the good news, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, God, but God encourages the discouraged. God encourages the discouraged. And sometimes some of that comes through God awakening us and say, come on, you just need to talk to yourself and get out of that funk that you're in. And sometimes it's that place where God wants to give you a fresh revelation of who he is and, and a fresh revelation in his word. And sometimes it's like Elijah is going to be a progression of certain events that are going to transpire in your life. All to lift up of discouragement. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. This is a moment where it's all about you now. I've shared the thoughts that God has given me for all of us today. His desire to help us navigate through discouragement. And maybe you're not in that place today. And I thank God if you're not, then you could just file these thoughts away because the day will come, the moment will come where all of a sudden discouragement is going to come knocking on your door. But perhaps you're in that place today where you are discouraged for one reason or another. See, the issue is not what it is. We can bring that to God. It's the fact that we are there, that God is saying, I want to encourage the discouraged today. So if that's you, my brother, my sister, I just lift, encourage you just to lift up your right hand before God. Not before me, but before God. Say, that's me, Pastor. God gave you this message just for me because I'm in that place. Something is going down in my life. Something has happened. I've been disappointed to the measure that now I'm just discouraged. I'm discouraged about, about myself. I'm discouraged about the situation that I'm in, the circumstance. And I need God today to encourage me. Father, you see every hand that's raised. Even those that are watching at home, God, you see everyone that has come to that place of transparency this morning where they have acknowledged, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm in that place where there's a cloud of discouragement over my heart, God. And I have talked to myself and I realized it's because of this event that transpired. It's because of this situation in my life that has brought this discouragement in my heart. And so I come before you today, God. And I ask, oh God, because you are the God that encourages the discouraged. So Lord, I pray even now that you would begin to do a powerful work in the hearts and lives of every single person who is battling discouragement right now. 
I pray, Father, that the Word of God would begin to burn in our hearts as it did with the disciples, God. That, that as we read it, oh God, or as we hear it, something will begin to transpire on the inside. It will begin to be that spiritual nourishment the way it was to Elijah. I pray for a unique and special revelation of who you are. Open our eyes afresh and anew that we might see Jesus. Not the situation, not the circumstance, not even our own failure, but that we might see you, Lord. I pray, Father, that like Elijah, there are things that will take place in our life, oh God, supernaturally. That not only will you provide what we need, oh God, but that God will experience your presence as we've never experienced it before. And that God, you will speak to us and give us that commission, God, to let us know, okay, now that I've lifted you up out of that place, it's time to get to work. There's still work to be done. There's still things that I have purposed and planned for your life. I thank you that you have purposed and planned great things for all of our lives. And even though there are times where we are so discouraged with ourselves, you are never discouraged by us. Because you see us not as we are, but as we shall be. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May we begin to talk to ourselves this morning. May we begin to talk to ourselves this morning and praise you, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 We praise and magnify your name. We exalt your name. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. One last thought as I prepare to close. Dismiss you in the grace of the Lord. When God brings comfort into your heart, it is not just for you to feel good. Remember, it is so that it can be part of the reservoir that's in your soul so that he can use you to encourage somebody else. To tell somebody, I've been where you're at. I understand that. It's okay. God is going to get you through. 
Instead of putting somebody down for feeling, for feeling that way, we, instead we realize, you know what? I've been there, brother. I've been there, sister. And God got me through, and he's now going to get you through. Blessed be his wonderful name. You say amen to that?